All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 12 tonight. John chapter 12. Wasn't awesome preaching August? Very good. Amen. Now we're back to just reality, me. And uh, pray the Holy Spirit will show up. I want to call this scriptural preaching in September. Amen. That'll, that'll, that'll do. Not sorry preaching in September, but scriptural preaching in September. John chapter 12. I'm going to continue where I left off, and that's uh, measuring your life or evaluating your life through God's perspective. And uh, I believe that's the only way we should evaluate our life is through his perspective. And uh, he has the perspective, and he has the right to evaluate our life. And we're just uh, vessels of honor, and we're vessels of clay, and without God, uh, we can do nothing. And we we need to uh, realize this is our 12th message on measuring your life or, or evaluating your life, and this is the, probably the most important. This will be bottom line. I uh, wish we had more people here tonight, a little slim tonight. Uh, I, never said, I never say that about myself anymore, a little slim tonight. But um, uh, matter of fact, I, I just started a diet yesterday, gave up sweet tea, and uh, I believe it was Lucas uh, came up to me and said, would you like to buy some Krispy Kreme donuts? And so I gave in, Amen. But the good part about it is it's a certificate, so I couldn't eat the certificate, praise God. Uh, but um, as soon as they get here, I'm going to break my diet. Amen. I get the certificate, so that's a blessing. I love to eat, don't you? And this pandemic's been bad on our diets, hasn't it? Amen. And so um, y'all pray for me, uh, please, during this difficult time of trying to diet. <clears throat> but the Wallace... Johnson said that I've been on a diet since he knew me. He's still up in heaven knowing me, and I'm still trying. Uh, verse 23 through 28, but I want, to, I want to preach a message entitled, Measure Your Life by How You Glorify God. How you glorify God. That's the bottom line. You evaluate your life from God's perspective. It's going to be summed up on this 12th message, I believe, on uh, evaluating your life by how much and how you glorify God. For that is how, that's why you were created, that's why you're saved, and that's why you're sustained, and that's why you're blessed, to glorify God. And here is a great passage of Scripture right before Jesus goes to the cross, and uh, they ask him some questions, and um, Jesus answers them with one sentence. And I preach this often when I preach a message when somebody's committed suicide, or when somebody's died tragically, like a, or a baby dies, and we have no answers. We, have no, no, we don't know what to say. And this verse says we don't know what to say, but that God would be glorified. And so I hope that this will be a, an encouragement and a blessing to your life. Let's stay in awe of the Word of God one more time. The Bible says in, in verse 23, And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a corn of wheat fall to the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it. And he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. <clears throat> if any man serve me, let him, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will uh, my father honor. Now it now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? I've 
had that many times in my life where I didn't know what to say, believe it or not. And, Father, and he said, Father, save me from this hour, but for this cause came I into this hour. That was Calvary. And then here's the prayer. Father, glorify thy name. And then came there a voice from heaven immediately saying, I have both glorified it and I will glorify it again. And the people therefore that stood by and heard it said uh, that it thundered. And others said, no, an angel spake to him. And Jesus answered and said, this voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for this good day that you've given us. And we do thank you for the faithful that are here today. I remember several months ago, I was preaching to an empty uh, sanctuary. And it was a difficult task, even though many were listening by way of internet. And I thank you for those that are listening tonight. Uh, and I pray, dear God, that you would bless this message to help us to see the bottom line and the true evaluation of our life is that everything that we do, that we do it for your glory. And so, Lord, help us to realize tonight a few ways that we can glorify your precious name. And we're going to thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the great purpose of your life should, to be, should be to glorify God and to do his will. That'll be the greatest purpose. Uh, everything in your life can be done with a desire to bring more glory to, to him. And the unspoken underlying guideline in your life should be this. What will bring the most glory to the Lord? Let me repeat that. The underlying guideline in your every choice, every decision, every day that you live, your aspirations, your desire, your dreams, your vision of your life should be this question, what will bring the most glory to God? Everything can add or distract from uh, the glory of God, everything. The way you eat, the way you sleep, uh, the way you keep house, the way whatever. Um, the, the neatness of your car can bring glory to God or you can bring a reproach on God. Uh, everything, the way you study, the way you pass courses in college, Corey, whatever it might be, you can do it for the glory of God. Say amen. And that brings an ultimate eternity to our life. And it's not just preaching and singing and deaconing and all the other things in this church, but it's everyday life, everything, the supreme passion of your life should be either for God or self. And it is. It's either for God or self. And in every question, uh, in your life is this, and every person ought to answer this question. God first or me first? God first or me first? So the issue is this, what does God desire most? Not what do I desire or what would bring great advantage to my life. Some people just live to be rich. That's all they think about. And it seems there's no, if there's no ruling passion in your life, uh, it's an indication if there's no spiritual passion in your life for God's glory, the indication is you're, you have self on the throne. Uh, but the ruling passion of your entire life should be this, to bring more honor to God, to bring more honor to the Lord. And so all the church attending, all the Bible reading, all the prayers, everything that you do in your spiritual life should be for one ultimate purpose. What 
will bring the most glory to God. And if we're not careful, we'll do a lot of things spiritually for our little old self and for our honor, for our glory, for our name. And so whatever you do, whether it's keeping your clothes neat and clean, uh, being presentable, being healthy and fit, that's convicting, uh, keeping your car orderly and tidy, tidy uh, being suitable, being appropriate, all should be done for the glory of God. Amen? We live and should live for the glory of God, and God evaluates everything you do for his glory. He won't bless anything else. He won't even answer your prayer unless it's for the glory of God. You're not in this life for yourself. Some people believe it's just all about me, myself, and I. We're here to glorify God. We ought to be married for the glory of God. We ought to have children for the glory of God. We ought to raise them for the glory of God. Everything for the glory of God. Isaiah 43, 7 says this. It says, all things were formed for his glory. Uh, folks, we need to live for God's glory. So I want to give you a few things. Number one, just uh, on this passage of Scripture, Jesus had a passion and purpose in his life. And he's coming down to the death of the cross, and he said, what should I pray? My soul's troubled, because he saw all the sins that he was going to bear on that cross. That's why he sweat great drops of blood on the, um, in the garden. And he knew the agony was going to be physically agonizing, but he knew there was going to be more spiritual agony than all the, the physical. The, the cross, uh, our sins weighed much more than the cross. And it was much more hurtful and, and harmful. And so look at verse 23. The Bible says, and Jesus answered them and said, the hour has come and the Son of Man should, should be glorified. Now, he even compares suffering to the, being glorified. And he also said, I'm going to the cross and I'm going to be glorified because he's going to go be with the Father. John 17, he's longing for the glory of God. He's praying that he'd be with, the, with God in, his, in, in, in the glory and then it goes on to say, except a corn of wheat fall to the ground and die, it abideth alone. Um, and, and, and if it die, it brings forth much fruit. And he that loveth his life shall lose it. And he that hateth his life uh, in this world shall keep it into life eternal. I believe it was Jim Elliott that said that uh, you're a fool if you don't uh, give up what you cannot keep and, and uh, lose, uh, lose what you cannot keep and keep what you can never lose. And that's eternal life. There ought to be a divine priority. So let me just give you a few things real quick, and I'll be very brief tonight. Um, you need to see how you can bring glory to God. Number one, by obeying his word. By obeying his word. In verse 23, he's going to the cross. And on, in verse 23, it's, it's um, costly obedience. Costly obedience. Uh, willing to pay the price of giving his life. Um, it's dying to self. Wholehearted commitment. That brings glory to God. When you die to self, the only one left is God's glory. Uh, the ultimate uh, character of God is manifested. That's what the glory of God means. And, and uh, folks, willingness to put God first in everything and letting him have the preeminence. It's not just having opportunities, it's using opportunities uh, for God's glory. Uh, yesterday, a fellow called me, it was the most unusual call. And he acted like he knew me. And he said, hey, listen, we're selling this three, three, three acres of land just south of y'all. Do y'all want it? And I said, sure, we want it. I thought he was giving it away. And he said, yeah, you can have the house and all three acres right next door. 
Dr. Clarence Sexton always said we ought to buy that, but I, unfortunately we don't need it for parking. I wish we did. And I asked him, I said, well, how much is it? He says, I don't know. I said, you don't know? I said, well, how in the world can I even talk to the Diggins if you don't know how much it costs? I said, it's a beautiful old house. Probably have to be mowed down and rebuilt or something. And he said, well, I don't know. My wife has the figure in her head. She's the real estate agent. And um, I, will, I will get back with you. I said, well, okay, good. He said, I'll talk to my boss and you talk to your bosses, the deacons, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll come up with a solution. He didn't know the deacons weren't my bosses. But, uh, you know, it, it was amazing. This, this property right next door is for sale. And I thought, well, we'll buy it for the glory of God. And then I said, no, I better, I better watch that. It might be $500 million. I don't know what it costs. But, folks, we ought, to, we ought to make purchases for the glory of God. We ought to buy and sell for the glory of God. We ought to be uh, good employees for the glory of God. That'll add a little more thrill to your crummy job that you think's crummy. And you ought to thank God you can get up and do something. Say amen. I've had some friends that hadn't got out of bed in 30 days and, and breathing on a, a ventilator. And folks, I'll tell you what, I just thank God. And I've been feeling a little puny, and my wife has with this sinus stuff. And uh, we looked at each other and said, I don't think we got it. But I tell you what, we sure have dragged around, amen? I've been trying to work my way out of it this morning. I'm, I'm worse now than I was before I worked it out. But I want to tell you something, folks. We ought to be, we ought to be energetic for the work, will of God. We, uh, the glory of God, we ought to work for the glory of God. We ought to go to school for the glory of God. We ought to be married for the glory of God. We ought to raise our children for the glory of God. But folks, the ultimate obedience is dying to self. It's going to the cross. It's bearing his cross and carrying his name and following him, counting the, the, counting the cost of discipleship, Brother Blaine, to be a disciple. And so um, it's costly obedience. Look at uh, chapter, Luke chapter 12 and verse 48. Luke chapter 12 and verse 48. The Bible says this, but he that, Luke chapter 12, verse 48. It says, but he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes for unto whomsoever much is given to him much is required and to whom men have committed much of him they will ask the more. What's that saying? God's given us great opportunity in this, in this, in this city, in this county. I keep up with this COVID thing all the time and I didn't know we had 104,000 people in this, in this uh, county. That's amazing. We've grown. 20,000 in 40 years. That's pretty good. Amen. No, it's, it's great. We have more people living around here. Uh, the Bible tells us that we need to seize the opportunity. And so, folks, listen, the opportunity is you live in America. You're healthy, wealthy, and wise compared to most people in the world. God's entrusted you with the gospel. God's entrusted you with health. God's entrusted you with a sound mind, most of us. God's entrusted us with a car. God's entrusted us with a uh, means and the gospel and tracts and the Bible and we ought to be obedient to God's call. Um, folks, listen. God wants to use you for his glory. He doesn't want to use you just for your joy. Number two, and this is a key, we need to yield to his spirit. We need to yield to his spirit. When you yield to his spirit, I'm going to tell you something about the spirit of God. The spirit of God's office is to glorify God. He doesn't want to be th thought of himself. Number one, you're the temple of the Spirit. 
You're the temple of the Spirit. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19 and 20 is some of my favorite verses. I try to read them often, at least, at least once a, a month, because it is so powerful. It says, what? Know you not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own. You're not your own. You're not to live for your glory. That's why it'd be hard for uh, rich people to live for God's glory, because there's so much glory in being rich and being athletic and whatever. And folks, I love it when uh, athletes say, I, I'm playing for the glory of God. I'm doing this for the glory of God. And look at, look at this, uh, verse 20. For we're bought with a price, therefore, what? Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Notice the word spirit has a little S on it. You glorify God with your disposition. You know, some people bring great glory to God because everybody they're around, they cheer up. Some people are not bringing great glory to God because everybody you're, uh, you're around, you deflate, you criticize, you depreciate, and you, and you uh, low rate, and uh, you, know who, you know who you are. You can hide behind the mask if you want to, but I'm going to tell you something. God knows your disposition. And I want a godly disposition. And I don't want a fake disposition. Um, folks, listen, we need to realize that we're the temple of the Spirit of God. And our spirit is not our own. So the Holy Spirit ought to take over our spirit. And so our spirit should be love, joy, joy, that's right, and peace and meekness. Uh, I'll get into that in just a minute. Then we're a tool of the Spirit. We're a tool of the Spirit. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 4. Thank you, Brother uh, Alex, for that song. It goes right along with the message. Uh, we ought to be a vessel of honor. And we're just vessels of clay. There's nothing that we should point back to and say that we're qualified to serve God. But 2 Corinthians chapter 4, look at verse 6. The Bible says, For God who commanded the light to shine out of the darkness hath shined in our hearts. Amen. How many say, say amen. And to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And look at verse seven. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Not of us. We're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about the body, here it is, of the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. What a privilege. For we which are lived are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the, the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. The life of Jesus manifest in our little old puny flesh. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that a miracle? What a What a blessing. What a blessing. Look at this now. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. Die to self. We have in the same spirit of faith, according as written, I believe, and therefore have I spoken. Ye also believe, and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise us up also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sake, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. I'll get back to that verse in a minute. You glorify God through thanksgiving. 
for which cause we faint not. But our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Listen to this. For our light afflictions, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Look at verse 18 now. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, passing away. But the things which are not seen are eternal. Folks, when we yield to the Spirit of God, He changes our perspective. And we see eternity. We see people not as black and white, not as brown or, or yellow or whatever. We see them as lost or saved. We're not prejudiced and we're not racist. We just love everybody, amen? And if not, why in the world are we sending people all over the world? Praise God. I'm just telling you, friend, we need to yield to the Spirit of God and he'll make you a tool. And folks, verse six says he'll enable you, but in verse seven through 11, he will uh, enable you beyond your strength. There's the key. He puts us in situations that's impossible for the flesh to obtain any kind of victory, any kind of fruit, he puts us in situations that overcome us on purpose. And our strength is, is futile. But then we overcome and he gets the glory. You see, knocked down but not knocked out. Amen? And I will tell you something, a lot of us have been knocked down lately, but none of us has been knocked out because you're still here. Thank God for you. And I appreciate you so much. You've been an encouragement to my soul because you haven't quit. And I just want to say this. God puts us in situations that are impossible. On purpose. Knocks us down, but we're not knocked out. We die to self. We get back up in his power. And thank God, thank God we're renewed day by day. That means filled with the spirit of God, yielded to the spirit of God. And, we, and God gets the glory because there's no way you could have done it. There's no way you'd have got through it. There's no way God could use you like he has over the years, Brother Steve, in that prison. No way, and Miss Gail, because God's done it, and he gets the glory. And if we take our hands off his glory, he will keep blessing us, but if we take credit for what he's doing and we pat ourselves on the back, he'll cut us off like a water faucet. Oh, folks, the Spirit of God's office is to bring glory to God. The Spirit of God's office is to bring glory to God. Let me prove it to you scripturally. John 16, verse 13 through 14, real quick. John 16, 13 through 14. I appreciate you being here to listen to this summation of all the messages I preached the last 12 weeks, uh, and I took a month off. Uh, and thank God I did. Those Tuesday night services were such a blessing. And I'm so glad we had them. What a blessing. But look at John 16, 13. How be it when the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself. No Holy Ghost campaigns around here. But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Jesus is about to ascend, but he says, I'm going to leave you with a better teacher. I'm going to leave you with a resident teacher. I'm going to leave you with some homeschooling. Praise God. Look at this. And he says in verse 14, here's the office, the duty, the main office or work of the Holy Ghost. He, Holy Ghost, shall glorify me. Who's me? Jesus. For he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. Folks, the Holy Spirit wants to lift up Jesus. And so if you're totally filled with the Spirit of God, guess who gets the glory? God. 
Guess who you live for every day? His glory. What's your main desire every moment on the job, every day at school, every day in the ministry, every day you hand out a track? His glory. His glory. His glory. Folks, you measure your life by how much you live for God's glory. Holy Spirit will guide you, the Holy Spirit will convict you, and the Holy Spirit will work to revere Jesus and magnify his name. He is the best at doing that. Nobody can even call him Lord, much less crown him as Lord without the Holy Spirit. Let me just show you something in Galatians chapter 5 in closing. We might have to continue this next week, I guess. But in Galatians chapter 5, verse 14, please. Galatians chapter 5, verse 14. The Bible says, for all the law is fulfilled in one word, uh, even into this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Galatians chapter 5, verse 14. But it says, but you, bite, you bite and devour one another. Take heed that you, be not, that, you, that you be not consume one another. In other words, you're eating each other alive. It says, this say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's what we got to war against. For the flesh lusts against the spirit. There's a warfare going on in your soul and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to another so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led by the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulation, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, reviling, of such like, of which I tell you, before, as I have also told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, if you habitually sin, you're not saved. But look at verse 22. This is so exciting. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance against such there is no law. Now, let me just ask you a question. Don't you want to be filled like that? Don't you want to overflow with love and joy and peace? Nobody wants to be cranky and crummy and sinful and mean and ugly. Some of us are born that way, but you don't have to be that way spiritually, say amen. And look at this. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. And it says, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. But here's what I want to show you. In verse 26, let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. See, if you're living by the flesh, you compare yourself with others and you put others down and you're in competition with others. Folks, we're not in competition with each other. We're in competition with the devil and he's our enemy and the flesh and the world. And so thank God, thank God, there will not be vain glory in your life. Measure your life by the glory that God gets through you being filled, controlled, overflowing with the Spirit of God. What a life. Die to self. I was driving Brother Lee Robinson home and, and uh, Miss Robinson in the back seat and 
We were nervous. First time we'd take them home because we couldn't drive. They were up in the 90s. And I, he said, uh, he's commenting about things. And I said, Dr. Roberts, let me ask you a question. What's the difference in one man of God that's so fruitful and so, so, so uh, uh, effective and so and bring so much glory to God and build such great church like yourself and sends out missionaries all over. What's the difference in one man and another man? He said, it's the mount that you die to self. I'll never forget that. He says, it's the mount that the person dies to self. And God gets the glory. And of course, he said, have faith in God. But you got to die to self, get out of the way before you can have faith in God. Because you got too much faith in yourself. You're too worried about your self-image instead of God's image. We are created for his glory. We obey for his glory, and we yield to the spirit of God for his glory. It is a wonderful life. It's so wonderful that in James chapter 4, look at this, and that this took me a long time to understand this verse, a very difficult verse uh, for me, probably for you, you. You'll catch it real quick. James chapter 4 and verse 5. A uh, very strange verse uh, to me, uh, and now I, I, it's not now because I've I've, uh, I've I've figured it out. God gave me some insight on it. But look at James chapter four verse five. And we'll close. I'll preach the rest of the points later. On. I want to get you home early. It says this. Verse four says, "Ye adulterers and adulterers, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore shall be a friend of the world shall be an enemy of God." I don't want to be an enemy of God. But look at this. The way not to be an enemy of God is verse 5. Do you think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? Now, wait a minute. I thought it's a sin to lust. It is. But the King James language is this. It's folks, is the spirit longs, desires, and is envious for you to bring glory to God. His office is to bring glory to God. His promptings are to bring glory to God. His leadings are for the glory of God. And so he's very envious. He longs, he lusts in a, in a positive way to envy. He says, I wish you would put God first. The Holy Spirit says, I wish you would crown him as Lord. He is worthy. He died for you. He is worthy. He sustains you. He is worthy. He's coming for you. He is worthy because he's Lord. And the Holy Spirit says that over and over and over again. Through his word, by his spirit, in prayer. And he's saying, hey, listen, God deserves the glory. God deserves the glory. Look at verse uh, six. And here it is. But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud. But he give grace to the humble. Submit, you there, submit yourself therefore to God. See, the way up is down. The way to be blessed is to be a blessing. It says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. That's a divine order. You gotta submit to the one that can handle the devil. Because in the flesh, you can't handle the devil. And by the way, the devil will try to get in the passenger seat and put on the gas and, and, and press you with how fast you're going in the Christian life. And then you start getting the credit and robbing God the glory and you fall flat on your spiritual face. How many have seen people 
with casualties in the Christian life when they decided, hey, I got this. I don't need to pray about who I marry. I don't need to pray about uh, what I, what I, what I, where I go to church. I don't need to submit to spiritual authority that's brought them up all their life. I can just do what I want to do. And their life is shipwrecked. And so will yours be. And so will mine. And so he resists the proud. But the Bible says he giveth grace to the humble. You know what a gracious person is? Have enough grace to know that God is worthy of your life, worthy of glory, and worthy of all honor. It says, submit yourselves therefore to God, number one. Submit, uh, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to you, verse eight. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. I put that on every sink. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. That's dying to self. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, that's repentance, and your joy to heaviness. And look at this. Humble yourself, in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Now, folks, our goal is not to be lifted up. But I want to say this, and I'll say it in closing. You honor God, God will honor you. You honor God, and God will honor you. You live for yourself, he will deflate you, he will, he will chasten you, and he will make sure that you go through things that will knock you flat on your face so he can pick you up and he can get the glory. You know, there's a lot of churches that are going away from hymns. And I, I like courses and I like contemporary, and that sounds bad. Contemporary mean, means any song that's been written in the last 30 or 40 or 50 years. That's called contemporary. That's up to date, modern. And not all contemporary songs are bad, by the way. You don't have to play them with a rock and roll uh, Guitar, you can play them with a good guitar like Brother Alex plays. You know, you can have some rhythm. So the courses are fine. But I want to tell you something. I hope this church never, never throws all the hymns out the back door. Because hymns have messages and hymns have been proven. Let me give you for example. Um, John Newton. He wrote a song. was an autobiography of his life. He was sold as a slave. He was sold as a slave. Um, and he had to steal fruit, and all he ate was rice. He started himself dead. Then he got freed somehow, and he became a human trafficker, a slave owner on a pirate ship, mean as the devil. But he had a Mama, aren't you glad you had a godly mama that would, every time she, she would, she would, she would take, she'd clean laundry and clean clothes and she would um, cry, tears would go in those clothes as she washed those clothes, praying for her son, Newton, John, to be saved. And sure enough, he was saved. And he has an autobiographical hymn. That means it's a testimony of what happened in his life. And that song is amazing grace. Now, folks, that's powerful. That you realize that when you sing amazing grace, you're singing a song from a human trafficker. That's terrible that we have 
had bus recently in Atlanta area and all where uh, hundreds and hundreds of and in Lexington, Kentucky, hundreds of kids are rescued that have been been uh, kidnapped for the sex market. I mean, from one to thirteen years of age, sold overseas if they hadn't caught them. We live in a wicked day, don't we? And that's what John Newton was until he got saved. And he wrote that song, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound, that saved a wretch like me. Folks, listen, I'm going to tell you something. God saves you for his glory. God sustains you for his glory. God sends you through some heartaches, and I'll get to that next week. Sends you through trials for his glory. I don't know if you realize this or not, but Fanny J. Crosby memorized the first five books of the Bible. She memorized most of Psalms. She memorized the whole book of Psalm of Solomon. She memorized the whole book of Ruth, and she memorized all of the New Testament. A blind lady that could have got bitter. And folks, I want to tell you something. She memorized 8,000 poems and hymns that she wrote because she never could see them. She memorized them. Now that's, that's powerful. But one or she'd have gave up, got bitter, quit, and said, listen, this ain't working out for my glory. And I ain't making enough money out of these first 5,000 songs I published. I'm just going to give it up. No, she lived for God's glory, and today we're blessed. Every time we sing a song, like Brother Jason led us in. Oh, folks, listen. Measure your life by how much glory God gets out of your life. Father, use this message. Thank you, Lord, that we can continue it next week. And certainly, Lord, you get glory when our prayers are answered. And so hallowed be thy name. God be the glory through every answered prayer. And God help us to realize we need to pray and we desire to pray for the impossible, for the improbable, for the unlikely. God, help us, help us to, Lord, trust you, not what the flesh can do, not what the flesh can, can persuade, not what the flesh can persevere with or correct or maneuver or manipulate to get done. But God, may we trust you as earthen vessels filled with your spirit to do things that we could never do that you might get the honor. Lord, bless your holy name through our prayer life. Bless your holy name through our witnessing life. Bless your holy name through our everyday life, our marriages, our families, our jobs, our school time, that you would get the glory. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you to evaluate your life. This is the 12th message I preach on evaluating your life. But I believe this summarizes all of it. Do you live and work for the glory of God? Do you have a family for the glory of God? I believe God will bless you if you'll stop living for yourself and live for His glory. Stop living for your name and start living for His name. Start working for His name and stop working for your name. But you'd say, preacher, tonight God spoke to my heart about giving God more glory yielding more of my life 
and letting the glorifier, the Spirit of God, glorify Him through my life. That's my desire tonight. Would you slip your hand up high for prayer? God bless you and you and you. Almost everybody in here. I got to raise my hand. Sometimes we get in the flesh, don't we? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll tell you how we know we get in the flesh. We get offended easy when somebody doesn't pat us on the back. Father, use this message. God, thank you for the topic. God, thank you for the stream that goes through the Bible, that you deserve the glory, that you created us for your glory, and that you give us the Spirit of God to glorify your name as we yield to you. And we'll thank you and praise you for what you're doing in and through this time of conviction. In Jesus' name.